there's only one way to begin on a week like this, and that's with the master of sweetening all judgments, Rav Levi Yitzchak, Ben Sir Sasha, Zuchos speak from the place that they're in, and the feeling that I have right now is I'm not, I'm not sick, but I, I'm having this cough that's like sitting right here. And we're going to read, in Parsha Svaya, we're going to read the Parsha of the Ayalo Shel Yitzchak, the Ram of Isaac, the Ram of Yitzchak. Now, the Ram of Yitzchak is like that niggin that we just sang, the niggin of Revlet Yitzchak of Verdichev. The Lent, maybe not exactly in the same way, but the Nigin of Revlev Yitzchak stands by the Jewish people the way that the Shofar <coughs> stands by the Jewish people. Every morning when we read Parshas Karbanos, the Mishnah Bura already writes that 
we're bringing back this reference of the carbon that's shechted b'tzafon as a reference to the carbon of the Kedus Yitzchak, Afrashal Yitzchak, which is Tachas Kisei Akavur. And so in the merit of connecting ourselves a little bit to the parsha of the shofar of Yitzchak and trying to understand what that is, trying to understand what that is, so Hashem should help that anybody who needs a refuah shalema should have a refuah shalema. Not least of which is my dear cousin, Aliza Talia Sara Basdina Rachel, who's in need of a, a real refuah shalema and whose mother and father-in-law, my aunt Sandy and Uncle Barry, um, sponsored the Zoom link. So we have a karsatov to those who are far away who are tuning in. Okay, so we'll come back to the show for in a minute because already I think things are percolating. You know, these three mysterious people come to Avram Avinu. These three mysterious people come to Avram Avinu and Avram Avinu says to them, he invites them to come sit with him under his tree. Come and sit under the tree. So the Barashas Rabbah, he writes over here, that in the merit of Avram Avinu sitting, the Malachim, or these people, under the tree, so there was the revelation of the mitzvah of Sukkah. Hashem revealed the mitzvah of Sukkah. How is that possible? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe asked an unbelievable question. He said that Avram Avinu sat them under a tree and everybody who's ever sat in a sukkah or ever attempted to build a sukkah or got paid a little bit extra on the side when you were in high school to build a sukkah knows that the biggest no-no is to put it under a tree. As Mehechi Timza that Avram Avinu sat these people under a tree And somehow, Hashem brings down to the Jewish people this Indian of Sukkah. So just very quick. Lubavitch Rebbe writes in a mimer that the reason that we're not allowed to build a Sukkah underneath a tree is that a Sukkah can only be made out of the, the Shechina. Hashem's presence can only rest on something which is natuk minakarka, which is removed from the ground. It has to be cut off from the ground. The tree is still drawing sustenance from the ground. And so Avram Avinu understands that even though I want to do the mitzvah of sukkah, listen so carefully to this, even though I want to do the mitzvah of sukkah, but Hashem has not commanded me to do the mitzvah of sukkah. The only thing that I can do is intuit, using my kidneys, using my intuition, using the fact that I am the first person to ever really have a concrete conversation with the Rebona Shalom, I just know that there's this mitzvah of sukkah. But apparently, Avram Vinu had a sukkah and it was dafka underneath a tree. Meaning it's not that he sat them under a tree and then in the merit of sitting them under the tree, giving them some shade, Hashem gave us the mitzvah of sukkah. No, Medjur is telling us that Avram Vinu put his sukkah under the tree dafka. Why? Because in order to be minutak min ha'aretz, in order to elevate ourselves, to lift ourselves up from the ground, in order to actually cut ourselves off, temporarily at least, 
from time to time through the performance of mitzvahs and actually go and cleave to something much higher, it needs to be that Hashem is the one who gave us the commandment. And so Avram Vino understood that the tree which is mechubar lakarka represents the fact that any mitzvah that I can do is only a mitzvah that brings Hashem nachas, elevates me in some way, but it doesn't remove me from the karka. Because I'm essentially being shaded by something which grows from the ground. Only after the Rebbe gives us the Torah on our Sinai and creates a unilateral direction to say, I'm giving you the Torah, and then we makabal that, and we do, we follow Hashem's etzos, so then it's possible to lift ourselves up from the ground. Which is why for us, it's us to sit under a sukkah that has a tree over it. We have to first disconnect the schach from the ground to represent that Hashem's relationship with us at this point in history is only if it's coming from tzivoy Hashem. We can't make up a connection with Hashem. And so no greater place do we see this than in the Ayalo Shel, shel Yitzchak, the mitzvah of Shofar. Because if the mitzvah of Shofar is literally the returning of the breath that Hashem gave to animate Adam, to give him life, that he should be a Ruach Mamal. So the mitzvah of Shofar is not possible, it's totally impossible, unless Hashem first gives you breath. If Hashem doesn't give us breath, there's nothing to breathe out. We can't make the sound of Trua, of Tkiah, Shvarim Trua Tkiah, if, if Hashem doesn't give us breath. And in the same way that if Hashem doesn't give us breath, there is the impossibility of us returning it. Avram Vino understands, I wasn't commanded in the mitzvah of Sukkah. I was commanded in the mitzvah of Mila, last week's Parsha, some of the, in fact, the Lubavitcher writes this also somewhere else, and other, others write it as well, I think Chassam Sofer says this, that the reason that Avram Avinu, who was doing all the mitzvahs, he was trying to be, he was trying to do everything he could, the reason that he didn't give himself a bris Mila is because that's a one-shot deal. And he didn't want to do it without a tzivoy, because in order for the Kedusha Sabris to rest on him, it needed to come from Hashem. It's the only way to do it. Sukkah, so this year I'll do it, hoping that next year Hashem will tell me that I should build a sukkah. And then the next year, if he still doesn't tell me, I'll still do it again. But I'm not going to do it in a way where it implies that I'm somehow doing something because Hashem didn't tell me to do it. I'm going to always make it under the tree, which is still receiving its nutrients from the ground because in some way, the mitzvahs that I'm doing are coming from the ground. They're not coming from, from above. And so to the degree that a person decides to commit their life and to find in their life opportunities to connect to things that Hashem said, I want you to do this. That is the degree that a person will be separating themselves from the heaviness that drags a person down to the earth. Now, that heaviness, when we cut ourselves off from it, everybody knows that once you cut yourself off from the dirt, once that tree cuts himself off from the dirt, so first of all, two things could happen. Number one, the tree could die. That's not, that's not good. We don't want that. It needs to keep being invigorated. But also, once a person becomes minutak from the aretz, it's not so dangerous. It's not so dangerous for him. Maybe the muscle doesn't work exactly, but it's not so dangerous for him to revisit the ground and to help the ground out, to lift the ground up. No tree can lift up the ground until first it recognizes, I need to separate myself from this. Once I'm willing to be mavato myself and separate myself from this, then I can... I can take it to the next level. So this is Avram Avinu is putting these chevra underneath the tree in order to teach us that Tzivoy Hashem is the sweetest, 
and most glorious thing that Hashem could ever give us because it gives us a, an opportunity. As much as we might have a psychological tickle from doing this or doing that, if I can't point to how this is a tziva, and by the way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Mizaki Yisrael with 613 mitzvos, so that we will be able to have all different ways of connecting to There's not a single person in the room right now who can't connect to Hashem through the mitzvah of Avas Hashem and Yiras Hashem through a specific talent that only you uniquely have. As long as you're making sure that you're using that thing, Laman Shemo Ba'ava, Laman Shmiras Ha'alachos, the sky is the limit. But only when a person is having in mind, I hereby connect myself to this mitzvah of Avas Hashem, of Yiras Hashem. Or like we learned at the very beginning of the year of Salavechik, just like Hashem created the world, so you have to create. That's a creative endeavor that you have to be in. But if you're just doing it stam, and you always know why you're doing it, so then we're telling ourselves of this wonderful opportunity to detach ourselves, a few times a day, to detach ourselves from that world that's called underneath the tree, which is drawing its sustenance from the ground. So Rabbanu Shalom, all the sick people in the world, you know, it's like a davar yadua. That whether a person is mildly sick or, or more seriously sick, usually it comes with some inability, at least if it gets to a certain shlav, that it becomes a little harder to breathe. So Rabbanu Shalom, help us that we should have, give us breath. And help us that we should be able to return the breath to you. And if my dear cousin needs breath, let her have breath. And if my dear friend Yosef needs breath, who's also not feeling so good, let him have breath. And if my friend's sister Paula needs breath, let her have breath. And if my other friend's father Aaron needs breath, let him have breath. And if there's somebody who's feeling kotsaruach, who's feeling short of breath, not because they're physically sick, but because they're emotionally sick, and it's just too much. Here I am sitting in here in this room. I'd rather be outside. I'm short of breath. And give us breath. Give us breath. Masil <coughs> Sisharim says that the fact that the Jewish people were kotzer ruach in Mitzrayim means that they were so overloaded with things that were attaching them to the physical world, they didn't have a moment to stop and think, what am I really living for? How much time should I spend on this? How much time should I spend on that? And so Avram Avinu gives us the key through inviting some guests into his house and putting them under a tree and fulfilling the mitzvah of sukkah by telling us that there's a whole, there's a whole world out there that we're waiting to be commanded in. Hashem is going to command Avram Avinu all of these things, or at least his descendants are going to command all these things. But until then, we have to recognize we can do what we can, but to maximize to the best of our ability, to maximize to the best of our ability, our, our connection to Hashem's tzibwa. I don't know if you guys know this song, but I hope that you will in the next five minutes. I wrote this nigan when I was, um, when I was in the States. And... Um, I've played a number of times, I've explained it a number of times, but I don't think I've ever explained it here in, in Yeshiva. Um, it was like the first Sukkot that we were not in Yerushalayim. We have a beautiful view of the heart of Yerushalayim, the mountains of Jerusalem, and we were somewhere else that wasn't as Moshech uh, to, to us personally, but very important. So... We went to my parents for the first 
day. We only keep one day. Well, I mean, we didn't drive back, we walked back. But when we came back to our house on the second day, <coughs> we saw that the sukkah that we had set up totally blew over, which was just like, you know, the last straw. Here we were in Anir Shalayim. We had this borrowed sukkah that we borrowed from a good friend who was so kind to us. And then, we weren't the only sukkah that was blown over, but it was just like, and we weren't even home to fix it, you know? I mean, not that you could fix it on Yontif. But on, Yom, on, on the end of the second day, we had to leave it there. <coughs> on the end of the second day of Yontif. So I was just so exhausted, I couldn't, I couldn't go out to pick up the sukkah. I went to sleep. And the next morning, I came outside, and the sukkah was standing with the schach back on it, and the decorations back in their place, and the tables and chairs back where they were supposed to be. It turned out in the middle of the night, somebody came over, and they fixed up my sukkah. So Avno Vinu is teaching us that even a sukkah that's not a kosher sukkah is still called a sukkah. Even a sukkah which is not called a kosher sukkah, even a sukkah that's blown over, is called a sukkah. So I sat in the sukkah together with my daughter Noah and my niece Meira, and together we composed this nigin, which is not just for sukkahs, because the, the, the nigin that we're going to sing now, the words of this particular tefillah, our request to the Rabbanu Shlomo, Harachaman who Yakim Lanu, as Sukkas David Hanufalas, Hashem, make for us, build for us again, the fallen Sukkah of David. Now, if it's fallen, so then we shouldn't call it a Sukkah. But as we just said, even a fallen Sukkah is called a Sukkah. And we ask the Rabbanu Shlomo, V'sechazene einenu b'shuv chalitzim b'rachem, return our eyes so that we'll be able to see your Shechina in Zion once again. Harachaman. Rahman Yakin Lamanu Sukas David Hanufalas Rahman Rahman Yakin Lamanu Sukas David Hanufalas Rahman Rahman Yakin Lamanu Sukas David Anufalas Rachaman Rachaman Yakin Lamanu Sukas David Anufalas
Same way that we were able to tie in the beginning of the parsha to the end of the parsha, which we zochet to tie in the end of the parsha back to the beginning of the parsha. Amen. Amen. Maybe. Okay. So Yiratzon. So at the end of the parsha, you know, Avram Avinu is going to do the unthinkable. He's going to do the unthinkable. Something that, if any of us ever received such a directive after Kabbalah Satora, uh, it would give us quite a shock. And even for Avram Avinu, you can imagine quite a shock to bring a child sacrifice when he spent his whole life fighting against child sacrifice. It can't be mityaches even at the moment. Maybe on Shabbos during the Aliyah for a minute, I could, I could like connect to these psukim a little bit. But, you know, we have it in our, in our blood from Avram Avinu. But it's, it's one of the most difficult passages in all of the Torah, in my opinion. <coughs> and we know from Chazal, once again, that Avram Avinu, every step of the journey, every time he was trying to go to do another action point towards the Akedah, to jump the wood, to cross a river, to climb the mountain, Every single step of the way, Avram Avinu was being challenged by the Satan in the form of a river, in the form of a, you know, someone trying to block him and trying to convince him this is, this is wrong, you know. Avram Avinu, students, you know, grabbing at him and saying, Rebbe, this is against everything you taught us our whole life, what's happened to you? And so the question is, especially since we know that Avram Avinu had this amazing turnabout at the last minute. So what happened? What was the, what? This is such a hush of teaching. Whoa. So the Heilig Riminover, Menachem Mendel Riminover, Menachem Mendel Riminover said <coughs> that there's one Pasuk 
There's one pasuk that seems to indicate that there's a big turnabout for Avram Avinu. And that is when Avram Avinu sees the place from far away. Let's find it. Before that, So Avram says, you youths, stay here, and me and my son are going to go up, and I'm going to bow to Hashem, and then we'll come back. Now in that moment, the Rimanover says, we shouldn't understand this simply the way that we understood it when we were in kindergarten, or in first grade, or in second grade, or maybe in eighth grade, or maybe in twelfth grade. Like Rav Shalom Shwadron used to say, and they say it from other tzaddikim as well, that like when a person is three years old, that they're upshirin, and they get their first haircut, and they get their first pair of tzitzis, how chaval it would be if the same Thomas the Tank Engine tzitzis you were wearing when you were three years old is the same thing you're wearing when you're 18 years old. So in the same way, you need to upgrade your tzitzis, you need to upgrade your understanding of psukim. So Rashi says, he said to Eliezer and Yishmael, stay here, I'm going up with Yitzchak. That's what he said to the Na'arav, he said to the, to the youths. You stay here with the chamor, and I'm going up. Whoa. So, <coughs> so the Rimanover said, Avramin wasn't talking to Eliezer and Yishmael, and even if he was in the pshat, that's not what he was thinking about. Meaning, maybe as a cover, so that they wouldn't think he's just talking to himself, he said that to Eliezer and Yishmael, and in fact, it makes a lot of sense that he said this to Eliezer and Yishmael, because maybe these were the parts of him that needed correcting. Everybody knows that Eliezer, Ruminova doesn't say this, but Eliezer and Avram Avinu had a mysterious switch that took place at the beginning of their life. They were both born at the same time. And there was a swap between the two of them because Eliezer, according to the Medrash, was the son of Nimrod. And Nimrod wanted to kill Avram. And they did a swap. And in the end, everybody got saved. And it's a long story, but for now, Eliezer and, and Avram Avinu in fact, he's the Mesek Basi. He's the one who Avram Avinu believes his whole life that he's going to take over for me. Eliezer Chazatels looked like Avram Avinu because he was learning so much Torah from Avram Avinu, he started to look like him. So he was like one aspect of the son of Avram Avinu, meaning the Hashpa of Avram Avinu that was imperfect, but from the outside, non biological. And Yishmael was the son who he gave birth to, who was also not yet perfect. It was before the bris that he gave birth to him. That's mitzad, the biological imperfection in Avram Avinu. And so Avram Avinu turned to those imperfections. He didn't turn to the children. He didn't turn to those people. And he said, this is a very dangerous journey. I see that I keep getting stopped along the way. And I'm running out of strength to know if I can trust my intuition. Because Avram knew himself. And he said, the only way that I can know that anything that I hear is going to be 100% from Hashem is if I tell those imperfections of my youth, if I tell those sins of my youth, for those sins of the youth, if I tell them, stay over here, you stay over here with the chamor, with the, with the physicality, just for a minute. I once heard this from my great teacher and friend, of Yoshua Gerzi. And he said, you have to sometimes treat the Yitzhar like a baby. 
You know, if a baby's crying, Yitzhahara has needs. So he starts crying and he says, I want to sleep, I want to eat, I want to, I don't know what. <coughs> you should say to the Yitzhahara, okay, I hear you, shh, it's okay, shh, Abba's here, you know, it's going to be okay. Abba just has a few things to take care of, okay, and I'm going to go and daven and learn a little bit, and then I'll come back and I'll take care of you, right? That the, to the degree that you make the Yitzhahara your enemy, you fight him, and to the degree that you have Rachmanus on the Yitzhahara, you make him into a small fry, you know? I, I, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to come back to you. I'm, don't worry, Chumris. Don't worry, those mistakes, those imperfections of my, of my past, of my youth. Don't worry, from the first time you remember having an embarrassing moment, when you're like, whoa, am I really doing this right now? My goodness. The first moment you had that, until today, that's called the shortcomings of your youth. And we have an obligation, says the Rimenover, to turn to those shortcomings and say, I have something to do right now. I have something to do right now. I have a mitzvah to do. Ah, there's all these voices in my head saying, like, you're going to do that mitzvah. You're going to start wearing uh, tzitzis to bed. I don't know, I'm giving you an example. You're going to start wearing tzitzis to bed, as is the, is the way of, of the righteous. If you're going to do that, ask me about how to do it. I'll tell you how to do it the right way. You're going to wear tzitzis to bed? Do you know your dirty mouth, what you say? When, when you know, you, you know the things that you say when you're not in shir. Yeah. Or you know the things that, you know, you're talking about your friends behind their back. And now you're going to start a, a blood drive? You care about people? Yeah, let's see you care about people. And these are the voices that come up around. So we turn to those voices and we say, Listen, imperfections of my past, stay here right now. I'm going to go do this blood drive. I'm going to go learn this aliyah of Shai Mikra. And I'll, I'll come back to you. I'll, I will take care of you. I will do tshuva for this. I will perfect this. But right now, I have a job to do and I can't be distracted by all of these thoughts of like, oh, maybe you shouldn't do it. Maybe you're not worthy of this. Maybe X, Y, Z. I don't know. And so Avram Avinu tells them to stay there. And in the merit of him telling them to stay there, Avram Avinu has this new... That's why I said this is the moment of the turnaround. When he says, you guys stay here with the chamor, with the chumrius, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to... It's at that moment that Avram Yudu, for the first time, doesn't have a conscious awareness, but speaks in this way, I'm just going to go, and we're going to come back. Meaning, I'm, I'm not going to kill Yitzchak. And why am I not going to kill Yitzchak? How did Avram Yudu know that when that, a billion times along the journey... The river told him not to do it. The, the, the mountain told him not to do it. Some tzaddikim came and told him not to do it. Everyone was telling him not to do it. And then all of a sudden, like at the last moment, oh, there's like a goat stuck in the bushes. I guess I shouldn't do it. What? But because Avram Yudu's first thought when he saw the goat stuck in the bushes is Hashem is sending me a replacement, that was enough for him to trust his intuition because he said, I left all of my mistakes in the past. I am now holy of holies. And in this moment, I have to trust my intuition. Now, I'll add to it also a beautiful teaching from Rav Meir Shapiro, the founder of Dafyomi, that Rav Meir Shapiro said he also knew that it was right because if it would have been a trick of the satan, it would have been stuck. It wouldn't have been stuck in the, in the bush. So it would have just been there, for, right, right for the taking. The satan makes it easy, you know? The fact that he had to like, figure out how to finagle it out of the bushes meant that this couldn't have been my satan. This, this, this was coming from Hashem. He had to work a little bit for it. But at the end of the day, Avram Vino goes back and he says, I don't have to be perfect to serve God. I don't have to be perfect to serve God. And I think that our tefillahs are answered because I think this is the very beginning of what we said at the beginning of the parsha. that Avram Avinu could have looked at himself and said, Hashem didn't command me. 
So I can't do anything. I can't do anything. Hashem didn't give me a command to build a sukkah. Hashem didn't command me to do this. Hashem didn't command me to be a leader of Am Yisrael. Hashem didn't command me to be a big Tamar Chacham. Look at the family he put me in. Look at the IQ he gave me. You think Hashem wants me to be a leader of the Jewish people? Hashem wants me to... Leader of the Jewish people, by the way, doesn't mean being a Magad Shir in Yeshiva. It means being like a certain dentist that I know who lives in Tinek, who wakes up every morning, goes to the mikvah, and learns before he goes home and takes his kids to school, and then doesn't charge Talmidei Chachamim when they come to his dentist office. So you say to yourself, so, but I didn't, what kind of family did I come from? What kind of, I, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have these types of inclinations. It's only because you're still holding on to the, to the nar that belongs with the chamor. Let it stay with the physical. Avram Vino says, okay, so I'll, I'll put my sukkah under a tree. It's not perfect yet. It's still attached to chumrias. Beseder, I'm still attached to chumrias. When Avram Vino says, you stay here, I'm going to go over there. Well, just by going over there, he's not, not attached to that. Yishmael is still his son. Eliezer is still his evid. He didn't renounce, he wasn't mafkir them. Can't be mafkir son anyway. He said, I'm going over there right now. <clears throat> so Avram Vinu says, it may be the case that my tree is being made <coughs> from chumris. It's true. My sukkah is still under the tree. But you think that bothers me? Okay, so I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. And that's dafka why, Rabboni Shalom, that's dafka why you should keep me in the world. Because I'm not perfect. If I was perfect, what else do I need to be here for? Like the Chazanish one, one time said to a bacher who came to him and said, my Yitzhar is driving me crazy. I wish I'm coming to you, the Galador, to Paskin, that the Yitzhar should just leave me already. So the Chazanish looked at him totally incredulously, totally, but seriously, he said, you want me to die and that you should die? He said, what? No, I want you to die and that you should leave. He said, what do you think you're living for? You're living to fight against something that's not perfect. Perfect was before you were created. After you were created... Hashem says, do you know that if you turn on one flashlight, the whole room becomes illuminated? Even if the room is still dark? Even if the room is still dark? I could still see? I could still see? And so this is a moment of big turnabout for Avram Avinu, and this is what he's giving to us, because he understands, and he's teaching us, that it's okay to say to yourself, and it's okay to say to your shortcomings, How many guys come to yeshiva for a year, for two years? Three years, who knows, 37 years. I mean, I haven't been in Yeshiva straight, but people who you know, live in this world for so long, they come to Yeshiva and they say, well, listen, why am I going to do X, Y, and Z? I know that afterwards I'm going to go back to it. Go back to it. You don't scare me. Avram Vinu also went back to it. You don't scare me. You don't scare Avram and you don't scare Hashem. Even if you go back to it afterwards, it's not worth having two years where you were a nutak from Chumris for a minute. To taste that taste of, of, of that wine that Rabbi Nachman described as the Hungarian wine that once you taste it, you'll never be fooled by anything else in the world again. That if someone else tries to give you counterfeit Hungarian wine, you'll say, that's not, I tasted Hungarian wine. I know what Hungarian wine is. It's no match for us. But all it means is that we have to stop listening to the voice. It's like, you're going to go back to it later. Fine. Me and all of my shortcomings, I'm going to bring them up the mountain. I'm going to go with Yitzchak. I'm going to humble myself and say, even if I'm not perfect, I'm still, I'm still Hashem's son, I'm still Hashem's daughter, I'm still Hashem's servant, and I'm going to bow, and then I'll come back and I'll deal with my shortcomings. You know what time is? 502.
Once read in a pamphlet, Rabbi Shlomo said, <coughs> it was a, I forget what it was called, a small little book. It's called like Shabbos' Bliss or something like that. I think that's what it was called. I have it at home, I'll check. Shabbos' Bliss. So Rabbi Shlomo said, imagine a person who has a hunched back. You know what, we'll go back to my cough. Imagine a person has a cough. Now, it happens to be that I had a very bad cough on Shabbos. Took medicine. I was cholish but you know, it wasn't just a michush. Didn't just have a little sensation. I had something enough that I was with mother to take medicine on Shabbos. Not always mother to take medicine on Shabbos. Talk about that too if you want. Um, and so, you know, I felt really, really awful. And then I felt a little bit better. And now again, I don't feel so great, but I don't feel like I felt that. So Shlomo said, "Imagine a person has a cough, or now we'll go back to his example. A person has a hunchback." And he's going to physical therapy and they're trying to help him to lift up his back slowly so that they don't cause any damage, but to slowly get him to kind of correct the bad posture before it's too late. And every day he goes to physical therapy and he just can't, he just can't do it. So Shlomo said, imagine how quickly he gives up. Imagine how quickly he gives up. He said, but imagine if you have a guy who's with a physical therapist and somehow, I can't explain it to you, but somehow, every, no, every few, every few days, once a week, on Shabbos, all of a sudden, you know, it feels like you could take a few steps, you could take a walk around the block, Shabbos Shpatzir, you know, got the chillin' belly, he's going for a walk with the Rebetzin, and he's, he could do it, and then back into, he makes Havdalah, and boom, he falls right back into not being able to walk again with a, with a straight back. So someone said that person can go forever. Because every time that he keeps tasting it again, that menucha, that rest that we get, like, like the Slonimer Hasidim used to say, what's Shabbos like? This is the Mashal they used to say. Shabbos is like a person who's in a freezing cold ice storm. 
and it's freezing cold, and for six days they're walking through this ice storm, and all of a sudden, I'll update it for us. You mamish go to the ski slopes with your parents, you know, and you're, and you're out there for six hours, and you're frostbitten at the end, and you're bruised up from falling, and, you know, you're feeling, even if you didn't fall, you're feeling all achy from having to maneuver your body like that, and that feeling when you walk into the cabin, and there's a hot cocoa waiting for you with, uh, with some marshmallows. So the slumber said for six days of the week we're walking around and we're, our backs are drooped. But because once in a while, once in a while, even if the tree is still over us, once in a while, even if we're still going to have to go back afterwards to a Motzei Shabbos, we're going to have to go back to the six days of the week. There's <coughs> nothing in the world that stops every single one of you from having this Shabbos, an island of time, where you enter and say, today is the day that I stop being a hunchback. Just for, just for a few minutes. And if you could do it then, then you'll never, ever, ever give up, no matter how many times you fall. And you'll fall. And I'll fall. And you'll fall, No, We'll fall. We're going to fall. But even if we fall, we'll get back up. Because every time we taste the sweetness of Shabbos, every time we taste what it's like to walk a little bit taller, and to put away the computers, and to put away the distractions, and to put away the homework, and to put away the business dealings, and to put away the studying for whatever, and putting away the control that we think we have, so the menucha v'simcha or la'yudim, it brings so much light to the Jewish people so that we can continue when we come back out of it again to believe that even though we keep coming back to the chamor, okay, but we also keep going back up the mountain. So I think this is the time when we sing this song. Good job, good job, good job. Good job. Good job. Good job.